Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Monday, October 12th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. President Trump plans an intense campaign schedule, plus how the U.S. suppressed the Native American vote. But first, Amy Coney Barrett's Supreme Court confirmation hearing is today's one big thing. Sam Baker is our resident Supreme Court expert, and he's here to explain what to watch for today as these confirmation hearings kick off. Sam, we actually already have Amy Coney Barrett's opening statement that's been released. What's your insight from reading that? That she will be very cautious and say the things that every nominee says. I wouldn't want to prejudge a case that might come before the court. Of course, she will say all the right things about precedent. Of course, precedent is sacrosanct, but I'm probably also going to overturn some of them. She'll play it very safe, I think. I want to ask you about Senator Kamala Harris, who was on the ticket, but also on this Judiciary Committee. What is the Democrats' kind of role in these hearings? Honestly, the most that they can probably hope to accomplish here is just to reinforce the Biden campaign's campaign message, which is all about health care and the risks to the Affordable Care Act from a more conservative Supreme Court. I think you'll see Democrats focusing some on abortion. That one gets a little bit tricky because the Republicans have, have sort of clearly are already ready to turn the abortion conversation into a referendum on Amy Coney Barrett's personal faith. Democrats will have to avoid walking into that trap as they ask her about this sort of very fair game issue. So can I ask you, it seems like the whole point of confirming a justice is wanting to know more about how they would be a justice. But you're saying the safest way to become a justice is to basically say, I'm not going to talk about it. There's really a mold for a Supreme Court justice, and that is someone who is qualified, usually someone who's on the federal bench, but who has not ruled in a ton of particularly hot-button issues. She's never ruled directly on abortion, for example. She's sort of ruled around the edges of it. and heard cases around the edges of it. So you, you have enough to go on to pretty much know where she stands, but there's no one big, glaring, controversial decision that you could use to pick her apart. It's pretty clear that she's going to be confirmed. So why is it important for us to still keep an eye on these hearings? It's important for two reasons. One, this is Democrats' last best chance, probably, to try to stop her from being confirmed. The bigger picture reason, if she is confirmed, going to have this job for the rest of her life. This is bigger than the presidential election, because whatever a President Biden would be able to do, it's going to be the Supreme Court with Amy Coney Barrett that decides whether he really gets to do it. So the long-term implications of this and how she will rule is going to affect what every president can do for a very long time. Sam Baker is Axios's resident Supreme Court expert. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, Nyla. We'll be back in 15 seconds with a scoop about President Trump's campaign plans. Welcome back to Axios Today. Axios Insider is a sneak peek into the conversations in our newsroom. White House reporter Elena Treen is with us. Elena, you have been reporting that the president hopes to be out on the campaign trail almost daily in these last few weeks before the election. Not even almost daily. He wants to be out there every single day between now and November 3rd. It's going to be interesting to see who attends his rallies this week, just given that he's only recently recovered. And his team hasn't even said if he's tested negative yet. 
So the obvious question is, how is the president's health able to support this, given the fact he was recently diagnosed with having the coronavirus? It's a great question, a major question, and I think it's one that the campaign is working through right now. One advisor told Axios that he thinks the president's going to kill himself, but not because of COVID concerns, but more that he'll run himself into the ground. Elena, what are you hearing from inside the campaign about why the president feels like such a schedule is necessary. They recognize that these past few weeks have been a setback for the president, not only because he contracted the virus, but also he had a pretty unpopular debate performance right before he went into quarantine. And especially the big group that they're looking at upping their numbers with is seniors, a massive voting block that came out for him in 2016 that polls are showing are now abandoning him in 2020. So that'll be a key focus of the campaign in the next few weeks. Elena Treen writes our sneak peek newsletter. Thanks, Elena. Thanks, Nyla. Today is Columbus Day, but some people have another name for it, Indigenous Peoples Day. On this day, when Native communities are in the spotlight, I wanted to share a fact with you. Native Americans were not considered citizens of the United States until 1924, and full voting rights for many did not happen until the 1960s. Michelle Salcedo is the news desk editor for Axios. She's also managing a new year-long reporting project for us that will examine systemic racism in America. And she's here now to talk about voter suppression, specifically among Native Americans. Michelle, I was really surprised to learn that 1924 date. How did that come about? Well, the right to vote is enshrined in the Constitution, but so is rights for the states to actually carry out that voting. So there was a separate law that was passed in 1924 called the Snyder Act, and that granted full citizenship to Native Americans. And that full citizenship, of course, included the right to vote. And even after that was passed, there were still quite a few barriers to Native peoples being able to vote. Yes. Tremendous roadblocks. In the 40s and 50s, we saw poll taxes. We saw literacy taxes. And so it wasn't until 1965 when the Voting Rights Act was passed and signed into law by President Johnson that Native Americans were effectively allowed to vote. So let's fast forward to today. What roadblocks are still in existence for Native Americans? Well, according to the Brennan Center in 2017, there was a voter ID law passed that requires a physical address to vote. North Dakota, for example, fails to provide a physical address to many Native Americans, and the addresses are more descriptions rather than numbers and roads. And this lack of formal addresses impedes the issuance of IDs, which are required in a number of states. So that's one way that Native Americans are impeded from voting. Also, on some reservations, the polling sites and drop boxes for absentee ballots can be as far apart as 150 miles. So it's not just the difference between a five-minute drive or a 10-minute drive. We're asking Native peoples in some instances to drive hours in order to exercise their constitutional right to vote. And so this all fits into Axios's larger project on systemic racism in America that launches this Saturday. I was wondering, what are you hoping people will get out of that? I think we're all hoping to highlight ways that the playing field is not even. We like to think that the playing field is even for all Americans, when in fact it is not. Michelle Sacedo is the editor of our new project we're doing on systemic racism. You can look out for that 
later this week. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Nyla. It's not just the Native American vote that has a long, complicated history. As I just mentioned, this month, Axios is diving deep into the issues Americans face and will continue to face at the ballot box. We'll discuss barriers to voting in America and the patchwork system of laws across all 50 states. And this is where you come in. We would love to hear about what it's like to vote in your community this year. Do you have to put your ballot inside two envelopes or drive for miles to drop off your ballot? What will it take for you to vote? Tell us at podcasts at axios.com. That does it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com or reach out to me on Twitter at Nyla Boodoo. If you want more news before tomorrow, tune into our afternoon podcast recap. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.